up next on Inside the SECA, episode 100-ish with Mike Cobb. Welcome to this episode of Inside the SCCA. I'm Brian Belansky, and uh, if you've been following along at home, if you've had your scorecard out, um, I've been trying to do episode 100 since episode 100. Um, episode 100 happened to fall on, I believe it was the Portland Super Tour, and uh, if you've been listening to the podcast from the beginning, we had Mike Cobb on early, one of the first maybe five episodes or so. And I put him on, on notice that I wanted to have him back every 50 episodes for an update on the club. And shockingly to me, he agreed. So he came back on episode 50, and I was getting ready to have him back on episode 100. But that fell on uh, the week before Portland. And uh, so I asked him if he could hold off a couple of episodes. He said, yeah, sure, which was great. And then uh, we tried to do this last weekend and had some issues. And and uh, thankfully, he was, uh, Mike, you're, you were very gracious and understanding. And uh, even if you thought I was an idiot, you didn't say it. <laughs> and, uh, and you agreed to come back tonight. So thank you and welcome. You bet. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, Brian, I think we discussed this last <laughs> week, but technology happens, right? Oh, man. It was, uh, it was not my brightest and most shining of moments, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, after 30 years doing television and doing this now all on my own, when I did this, Mike, at the network and when I did this at the, even at the local network, uh, at the local affiliate, all the stuff that I I'm doing here, I've got an audio mixer here. I've got a video switcher here. I've got the thing that makes the two boxes that you're sitting in. Now I've got a graphics generator here. All of that stuff would have an individual human being running it. Yes. <laughs> and, and an uplink engineer, that's another person. Um, all those hats I'm wearing to do this. So yeah. um, th- that is a testament to the technology being able to be doing it at the level that we're doing it. But at the same time, it's also a uh, bit of a pain in the butt when things don't go wrong and I'm the only human to try to figure it out. So, um, but again, I appreciate your understanding and I appreciate you coming you back with us. Um, but let's get right to it. Um, sure. We had you on an, early on in the whole podcast when uh, we were a wee little thing that no one had heard of yet. And, um, and uh, I asked Hayward to come on and he was, I think, my second guest. And I said, I said, I said, Hayward, what's the chance that Mike would do this? And he goes, oh, Mike, I'll do it. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like three episodes later, you're on the show. So, um, and then you, you said, I asked you to come on every 50 and you actually came back on the 50th. So I was, I was real happy about that. And here we are today. So there you go. I didn't realize until we started prepping for this show that uh, you've been on the job for five years. Yeah, truth be told, this is actually the um, eve of my sixth anniversary, which is tomorrow, June first. Wow, that's pretty awesome. So, almost, yeah. so it's it's been almost six full years. Yep. So you know, I'm not a I, I don't bet or wager. Um, that that hasn't worked out for some of my previous. Um, <laughs> Well, I'll just stop there. So anyway, yeah. yeah. So um, I don't know if the if the right way to say it is I beat the long or the short money. Right. Um, somebody who plays a lot of golf or plays a lot of odds in Vegas will have to help me um, with that uh, kind of metaphor analogy. But uh, 
you know, regardless, happy to be here, uh, blessed to have the opportunity. And, uh, you know, I think, I think over the past several years, we've had a, a few curveballs thrown our way, um, but we've managed to get on base pretty consistently. And um, we're certainly not done. Uh, but I think we have uh, rounded the bases a couple of times and put some points on the board. And uh, I'm pretty proud, proud of the collective family uh, for the progress we've made across the past five years. So when we first did this a hundred and some episodes ago, we were deep in a pandemic. Um, this is not on our list of things we had discussed. We, were, <laughs> we planned to discuss. I'm, I'm throwing you a curveball right off the top. That's um, all right. We were deep in the middle of a pandemic. Um, but, um, and everybody was a little scared about yeah. what was going on and people were itching to get back to, even at that point, trying to get back to something that was normal. And I remember the back in, I guess it was July of that year. Um, we had taken a bunch of races off and, um, we had come back. I started the show in October of 21. Yes. No. Twenty. Yes, twenty one. Twenty one. October of twenty one, and um, you know, w- w- we were we we as a club going through the first couple of months. We shut down like everybody else, but then yeah. but then one of the first things that came back from the sporting world was racing, right? Because we did our stuff outside. There you go. And we could find a way to do all of the stuff that needed to be done to be deemed remotely safe. Um, yeah. The ironic, the irony of that whole situation is when I got COVID, I'm pretty sure I got it at one of our races. Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, and the person who 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 I think who thinks gave it to me was so upset. And I'm like, <laughs> we all chose to be there. It happens. We all got through it just fine. Um, but when the whole thing shut down, there had to be an oh crap moment for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I uh, I still remember the day. Actually, it was March 26 of 2020. I had a um, uh, we weren't in Zoom yet, mm-hmm. right? This was the pre-Zoom era at that point for us, anyway. So we did a um, a nationwide conference call with all employees, all independent contractors, um, and um, I had to share with them that uh, we were um, not closing down operations necessarily, but we were shutting down ongoing activities. Uh, we were under that very day, that very night at midnight, March 26, 2020, at midnight, uh, Kansas had mandated shelter in place in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, and of course, it varied based on geography across the country where you were. Um, and, you know, I had to share with folks when they said, well, what does the future look like? I said, well, you know, I don't know, but here, here's what I do know. Um, and, you know, and I'm sorry to be this direct, but you need honesty right now. And we're going to have to um, uh, lay a few people off. Um, some folks we might not be able to retain going forward. And and uh, many of you who will be um, on staff during the uh, the wind down portion of what wherever we're heading into will be um, will be paid at 50 percent of your current rate until we can figure out what's on the other side of the storm. And it was very, to your point, uh, Brian, that's not something you can train for necessarily, right? right? I mean, um, I've been fortunate in my career. I've, I've um, had the opportunity to, to lead a lot of different organizations. I had uh, 
one organization, we had a four alarm fire and lost all of our, our physical plant and, and um, continued serving Fortune 1000 scope customers um, after that. So, but, but um, you know, that's, that's a little bit different. That's a disaster recovery kind of plan where you're, you actually have, even though there's a lot of things out of your control, you still have a lot of things that are still in your control to influence going forward. When, when COVID hit, um, you're right. We didn't have an ability to influence a lot of things. Uh, a lot of folks don't know this, but across 2020, we basically lost 750 events. Oof. So just for context, on an annual basis, we do about 2,000, you know. So we lost a little over a third of our events. Um, but I tell you what, this is a very resilient organization, and I think that's why we're um, in the position that we're in today as of uh, 531.23. Um, one of my proudest moments as, as a, a fearless leader of this organization was the June sprints in 2020. You might not remember it this way, but that was actually the first significant road race event in the U.S. that was allowed to operate post shutdown. And, and, and when did we do the sprints that year? Wasn't it in September? No, it was in June. It oh, was, was still in June. And and the it was really a beta um, for racing, road racing at a professional level, coming back to Road America for IndyCar, IMSA, et cetera, NASCAR, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and the, the team did it right. Um, and, and there's a lot of folks on that team, um, Chicago, Milwaukee region, a lot of folks up there. Road America was fabulous. Uh, the local um, uh, municipality from a health uh, oversight standpoint was fabulous. And of course, all the volunteers, workers, and drivers that participated in it. But um, you know, one of the proudest things that, that uh, I ever got to experience was sitting around the ACUS table, um, which, as you know, uh, is the uh, uh, sporting authority in North America for the FIA and for all FIA championships that come into North America. So you're seating, you're, you're seating with NASCAR, you're seating with IMSA, you're seating with right. NHRA, you're seating with USAC, um, all of the, the big players in um, U.S. motorsports. And to have them call out the SCCA and specifically say, thank you for doing the job that you did at Road America for the June Sprints, because you opened the door for us to go play again, for us to go to, to be in the marketplace, to, to uh, merchandise and showcase what we do. And um, I can't take any credit for that. I was happy to be um, um, a part of it. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a pretty... A pretty big challenge. If you said, "Hey, Mike, you want this job? You're going to go through a, a global <laughs> pandemic uh, in a couple of years. What do you think about that?" I, I probably wouldn't have had any experience um, navigating that. Right. I've navigated a lot of other things uh, professionally in a position of leadership, but but not that. And and you know, if that wasn't enough, Brian. Subsequently, you know, we were then blessed with uh, you know global supply chain crisis and yeah. double digit digit inflation. I mean, from 2017 when I started to today, there's about 33, 35 percent overall um, CPI inflation. And so, yeah, it's a host of um, there's a host of variables that really impacted us. But I'll tell you one thing: the the there was uh, several things we did right. Moving moving quickly was one of the best things, even though it was painful to pull the bandaid off quickly. Um, you don't you don't get a do over in a situation like that. You can't game film it six months down the road. You have to move quickly when you have to make the decisions. And and I think we made a, a lot of right decisions. The other thing that we had going for us in advance of that was um, we had just launched in fourth quarter of 2019 the member account portal, which is really an improved. 
designed to be an improved experience for folks raising their hand to join, raising their hand to renew, sure. renew their license, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, had we had not that, had we not had that in place and been digitally ready in uh, first quarter or early second quarter of, of, of 2020, uh, I think I don't think we'd be in a podium position today. We wouldn't be no, anywhere near the podium. Right. Um, and the team has gone on to uh, the team that helped build that um, has gone on and added a ton of uh, additional functionality at this point. Uh, so across 2020, across the last three years, we've got uh, full time membership on there. We've got licensing on there. All of our sanctioning is on there. Right. Um, I know that's not as sexy as, you know, having the sure. uh, SCCA National Championship runoffs at, at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which hopefully we'll talk about in a minute. Yep. I know they had a, a big event this weekend, past weekend. But, you know, for an organization that's, that's at its core, um, you know, a membership-focused organization, um, that was really mission critical um, to navigating that. And it's paid dividends every year since then. Um, and just another point of context for folks who may be listening in. So we currently have um, over 52,000 full-time members right. in the SCCA. And just for context, that's the highest number of, um, let's see, 2019, I think we had 30, excuse me, 2016, we had approximately uh, um, uh, 39,000. So that's a 33% increase over a time span where we had a global pandemic, we had global supply chain crises, multiple, we had double digit inflation. Um, so how does that work? Yeah. You know, I, I think it works um, to some degree because one of the, the key focuses we've had organizationally over the last uh, several years is around experience, right? 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 Really delivering an enhanced experience um, not only for membership, for, but also for uh, participants, you know, drivers, workers, right. et cetera. And I know that um, that might sound kind of uh, rudimentary, but I really believe that experience, you know, that the, the experience that we deliver through all our touch points is the key to driving um, not only membership growth, but program participation and, uh, and overall retention as well. And, you know, in support of that, one of the first metrics we tried to put together in support of all of our programs was a consistent um, measuring uh, approach right. uh, where we could kind of evaluate uh, overall program uh, performance on a consistent basis. So you probably heard me speak about this in, in previous president's updates or national or divisional conventions, but um, you know we go straight to participants and we get survey scores after all of our national events. And while the uh, overall scores may vary by program. We have a common methodology, a common scoring system, et cetera. And where we are today from where we started five, six years ago is um, it is very common today to see you know, scores of 90% or higher from these surveys. And really the, the core question is, you know, Brian, based on your experience at the last SECA event, how likely are you to recommend this to a friend or someone else who's looking for that kind of experience going forward? So. I mean, so, you know, so, I'm, I'm a simple public school boy from Texas. So <laughs> 90% means nine out of 10 people are willing to refer based on the experience that they just had. And I can just tell you that, you know, if you, if <laughs> I have a lot of people going to bust my chops about being the secret car club of America, <laughs> it, it, if you, if you want to, if, if you don't want to be a secret, 
then consistently create apostles in the marketplace of motorsports who are pro SCCA. And you won't have to worry about what you spend on Facebook, what you spend on Instagram. By right. the way, I love right. I love all those. I'm just saying the best advocate you can have is the one who's putting their money down to participate in your programs. Right. And so, um, you know, I think we've made some headway in, in both of those areas. And I think both of those have been critical to, to kind of where we are today. And, and sure. I think put us on a pretty good foundation for further growth um, into the future. So wait a second. If I were to pay attention to Facebook and, and all of that, I guess the one in 10 who weren't happy, they're the only ones that post on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I am. Uh, you'll laugh at this. The, the team doesn't allow me on Facebook. I'm only allowed on Instagram, and I only um, show pictures of SCCA events and cars and um, being at SCCA events. So there are no family pictures. There's no political commentary. There's there's nothing but uh, hashtag fun with cars on my feed. But I think you I think you nailed a really important point. Um, that that same population. So research shows that 85% of consumers will take action to participate or buy a product, good or service based on what I just said, the referral recommendation right. of others, right? Because typically personal recommendations or referrals have a higher trust factor than um, Facebook advertising or advertising um, uh, um, over the air, et cetera. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> uh, that same population is certainly influenced by how we show up online. Right. And um, I think that is, you know, a, a real area of opportunity for us because at the end of the day, we're either inviting people into our programs or we're, we're pushing them away. And I, I understand that we are comprised of uh, 50 to 70,000, if you include weekend members, of passionate enthusiasts. Um, and I happen to be fairly passionate as well. Um, and I guess these gray hairs uh, have taught me that sometimes uh, restrained passion enthusiasm um, <laughs> is maybe better than just un unleashed <laughs> passion and enthusiasm on others, because sometimes it doesn't create the environment, the welcoming environment we're right. trying to provide to folks, right? So so I've said this since the absolute number one day on this podcast that um, I wanted this podcast to be a forum uh, for us to talk about all the good things about the club, which we do a whole lot of, right. and an opportunity for us to talk about some of the tough things yeah. that are going on. Um, and to the credit of the folks at, at, at National, yourself included, um, when there's been some tough things, I've never had someone tell me, I can't find someone to go on and talk with you about it. Mm. Um, and I've been able to bring the tough questions over time. And, um, um, and, and I talked with you ahead of time before we, we came on and, 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 uh, I, um, I said, I said that the, the, the current group of people that you've assembled, um, in my 30 years in the club, um, is, at national is in my opinion some of the best people i've ever worked with in the sec mm -hmm. um and and not, not that i'm trying to blow sunshine up your backside because that's not that's not who i am um but I, I i believe that to be the case and and because there are things that we sometimes have to take on head on and right. um and because while we're doing really good 
a lot of positive. We've got a lot of, of, of upside and all those fancy-ass terms that people talk about in business. A lot of that's going on in the club. We're still a, a member organization, which has its own dynamic. We talked about that in one of the earlier podcasts. Right. You know, you don't have the 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 big the big steel hammer of I am the CEO a CEO of a business that runs in a traditional manner where I can just bang the door down and do what I want because I'm the CEO. You're you're the leader of you know a romper room of sixty thousand people. <laughs> you know. And yeah. and all of them believe that their opinion is right, right. Um, and uh, that's a heck of an awful job. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a challenge. But you know, Brian, what I believe and and thank you for the the recognition for the the staff team. A couple of quick thoughts there. One, um, in the past five years, you know, we've really been focusing on putting the right people in the right places to do the right things in the right way and to try to do that consistently. So. Um, without covering, you know, all the moves we've made from an executive team or leadership team uh, perspective over the past five years, which would be, probably be a podcast in and of itself. Sure. Um, I, you know, just top level summary, three out of the five uh, folks I've got on my executive team have been added in the last five years. And I was looking at an org chart of when I started versus uh, in preparation for our conversation. <laughs> uh, I was looking at this last week, kind of an org chart of where we are today. Um, and out of 35 full-time employees, if you will, um, probably three to five of those are in their same position, and the balance are all in different positions. Right. So, you know, the bottom line is we've got a lot of different challenges. We've got a lot of legacy challenges, and the reality is we need to put the right folks in the right seats to drive the bus going forward and making sure that we're, we're you know, we're taking those right. those things on. And and I I believe, I truly believe that um in this organization especially if you're not willing to serve you're not qualified to lead mm. so you know let me tell you about my big uh, highbrow weekend i know there was a lot of there was a lot of small <laughs> races in monaco and yeah. uh charlotte and and at that, that that beautiful facility indianapolis motor speedway across the weekend um let me tell you what i was doing as president ceo for the scca on uh, saturday um, we were up in Lincoln doing our spring national tour. Uh, the pro solo tour was on uh, Friday and Saturday. So uh, I did a little uh, course uh, support. Uh, and then the heavy lifting started because uh, we had some staff uh, leave on Saturday. And so they didn't have anybody to do the beverage run. So uh, <laughs> I was driving all over Lincoln looking for uh, uh, beverages and uh, some kiddie pools to ice those things down in. So I say that with a little bit of a wink and a nod, but but here's what I'm really trying to say: I, I, for this club to be successful, we have we have folks at all levels in the organization. They could be 100% staffers, they could be 100% volunteers, members, they could be drivers, uh, stewards. Uh, it really doesn't matter. I really believe how we win is it, it, when we when we show up. Let's go back to that Road America um, first event post-COVID example. When we showed up as a team focused on a mission, executing in alignment and unison on the mission, then we crush it. When we show up and crush one another, <laughs> it looks <laughs> like it and we fail. So, right. you know, I, I appreciate your kind words. You're right. We still have a lot of wood to chop. But I really believe a key to success is showing up with intent to serve first. People know that. Uh, and and um, 
you know, this this uh, little uh, picture my, my wife photoshopped for me to help me look a little bit more uh, uh, vital and young, uh, uh, which is actually from Turn 3 at Road America. You know, we got the June sprints coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, I can't get to Watkins Glen this weekend, but I can get to uh, Road America in a couple of weeks, and I hope to be working a corner again. Nice. Um, and, you know, I just think that's what you do. You you do what you can do to help promote the club, serve the club, and lead the club. And um, I think when you do that, you do that with consistency and authenticity. I think it's I think people appreciate that. They value that. And it's not just about me, um, but I uh, – I have that ask of the full team, and I think the team shows up that way pretty consistently. Right, right. All right, so so I've got you here, and I'm only going to keep you for an hour because that's what because you gave me a half hour last week for free. Um, um, but let's get let's get to some some stuff here, okay? Um, Do it. Give me the two things in the last year that you are proud of that the club has done. Maybe something new, maybe something old, whatever. Two things. And then let's talk about the next two things that you want to check off your list of of priorities or things that the club needs to be working on next. So the, the two things of the last year and what are the next two things? Yeah, great. Um, I'll tell you, um, kind of building on the, the commentary I just shared, one of the things I'm most proud of over the last 12, 18 months was we had, uh, I don't know if you've been to a pro solo uh, it's kind of like SCCA solo and autocross on steroids. It's got yep. the mirror coursers and the kind of the drag start and all that stuff. Um, well, we've, we've, uh, it's a great program, but it has been historically, it's been plagued with, with some pretty challenging start timing and scoring challenges uh, to the point that uh, across the last 24 months, we got uh, sufficient input, if you will, air quote, that we needed to hit the brakes, pause and stop the tour to really dive into a lot of the, the right. gremlins inside that and fix it. And um, I will tell you this, staff did not fix that. A, a, um, a very entrepreneurial group of passionate pro solo leaders, uh, some with a technology background, many with an event uh, orchestration and operations background, along with staff, really, really busted their chops to reset how we go to market with that program. And uh, I actually saw it in action in Lincoln on Friday and Saturday, and it was fabulous. But more important than what I think is this, the uh, typically the sharper end of the sword runs pro solo. And typically those who are most passionate, most aggressive and most competent in anything are also the most um, critical vocal <laughs> of, that, of that experience. Right? right. And so we've gone from having to wind the uh, tire rack pro solo series down so that we could fix some things to where we are so far. In, and we still got things to fix, but sure. uh, to where we are in, in, in uh, June of uh, 23, where we've had not one, but two 100% overall satisfaction scores from two pro solo tours this year, never happened nice. in the history of tracking. Um, and the event I saw at Lincoln uh, was absolutely lights out as well. So, um, yeah, I think that's another great illustration of when you combine the experience, the passion, the competency, the entrepreneurial productivity of volunteers, members, drivers, staff, et cetera, against a common challenge, you can get to a good outcome, right? Right. right. So I think that's one I'd kind of toss up there. Um, the second one is, 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 um, 
I, it's probably not new news to anybody, but I still think it's 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 bearing significant fruit to the organization. And it's not something that that was given birth during during my time here. It was actually started right before I got here. But you know, Track Night in America continues to be an absolute great onboarding tool for kind of the the non traditional SCCA folks to join into um, you know our hashtag. Uh, Cars with fun, fun with cars kind of experience. Yep. And so by the end of this year, we will have put probably between 70 and 75,000 participants through that program from conception to 12-31-23. Um, Track Night consistently delivers the highest overall participant ex experience scores out of all programs. Like I said, it's one of the best gateway programs into the SECA. We've done some recent research to indicate that it's got about a 10 to 12% conversion rate. So if you're doing 10,000 participants per annum, which is typically our run rate for track night, that means you're getting, you know, um, 1,000 to 1,200 new members from that program. And that is, um, that is a great example of growing membership by delivering an improved participation experience and not only to current members, but to non-members. Right. And that's a conversation we wrestle with because if you go back to the operations, man, to your point about it, Mike, it's a club. It's a club. It's 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 intended for the use and benefit of its members. And the answer is absolutely. I've read the ops manual and the bylaws, <laughs> and you're absolutely right. And if we stop throwing a line out to folks who are not current members, that's the wrong answer as well, right? right, right. We need to continually recruit and and bring folks into the fold. And Track Night has been a a great tool to for for doing that, and so I think um, you know I think I probably lift both of those up. There's a bunch of other things I kind of mentioned, kind of the, uh, the the technology side of things with the the member account portal piece. Um, and when you talk to me about things that we want to get done over the next couple of years, yeah, what are the next two big things on your bucket list? Yeah, let's go there. So I think th there's two of them. One, um. Let me kind of pivot to kind of the SECA Academy piece, which you and I have talked about before. Um, as you know, we're working hard to um, create an online training portal. We're calling it, branding it the SECA Academy. Uh, that's where we partnered with folks like John Dunant at IMSA. Let's see what time is it here. It's 9.30 uh, my time. It's 10.30 your time. So that probably means it's 4.30 or 5.30 in the morning for John over in uh, Lamar. So he's probably up. Yeah. Party screwed during uh, Garage 56 because he never sleeps. But anyway, um, working with John and folks uh, like IMSA to help kind of uh, attract um, and train the next generation of workers. So um, I know I'd mentioned this in a previous conversation with you, so I want to give you a quick update on that. That's a big one for us to continue to work on. Um, we've done our beta with the flagging uh, and communication marshalling. Uh, tutorial that's in the online portal. We've already done that. Our goal is to roll it out to a, a beta group um, that's probably going to be anywhere from 50 to 100 people uh, across the month of June. And based on success with that, we're going pedal to the metal shortly thereafter um, uh, in the July-August timeframe. So I think that is um, uh, a huge tool for us. And, and by the way, uh, a little more context and or background for that, uh, we've already launched uh, Road Rally Safety Steward Training inside SCCA Academy, and we just launched uh, Solo Safety Steward Training nice. inside SCCA Academy as well. 
So um, Chris Robbins and Abby Shear and uh, uh, the IT team are working hard to continue to develop uh, appropriate content and get that out to folks. We've also, um, on the uh, worker volunteer front, we've also done a couple of other things. One, um, we've retained uh, Sydney Davis Yagel. You probably know Sid. I do. Um, I do. She's a longtime SCCA member, um, and she is an uh, FIA steward in training. Uh, she's a former general manager for SCCA Pro. She knows some things. Yeah. <laughs> she, and she knows some people. Sid's currently helping us as kind of our volunteer concierge, if you will. So as as John Doonan does those course walks at Sebring like he did, and right. he invites other people to go to SCCA.com to learn more about being a volunteer, they fill out a quick form. That quick form goes to Sid. Sid then connects them with uh, divisional admins across the country so that we can get them uh, integrated into the family from a training and an exposure standpoint. So, so, um, so wh while we're talking about that, you bet. Um, and and you mentioned John Doonan, who I adore. Um, there's there's no bigger cheerleader for the SCCA, and no bigger ally um, outside of the SCCA for the SCCA than John. Um, right. And and um, I did a thing. We did a thing um, uh, during the the convention. And we talked about workers and how important we are to IMSA and what they do. That said, it's becoming a, a more common um, um, situation at some of the tracks we go to where the tracks are wanting to utilize their own workers yeah. who don't have our training, who don't, and they may be fantastic people and they may be well trained. Um, they don't know necessarily how we do things. Um, right. And it's becoming a bit demoralizing for those of us who have put the time in. You know, I don't have my national card anymore for flagging and communications, but damn it, when I had it, I was proud of it. And I yes. went to the IMSA races and I went to the IndyCar races and I walked through the door without ever having to tell anybody or prove anything to anybody because I had that little card in my back pocket. Right. Um, and I know the situation because I've talked to flaggers yeah. um, there and we don't have as many as we need. And I, I don't want the ones we've got to not want to come anymore because right. they're kind of being told we don't want you anymore. How do we combat that? Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's becoming a, a more common um, um, situation at some of the tracks we go to where the tracks are wanting to utilize their own workers yeah. who don't have our training, who don't, and they may be fantastic people and they may be well-trained, um, but they don't know necessarily how we do things. Um, right. And it's becoming 
a bit demoralizing for those of us who have put the time in. You know, I don't have my national card anymore for flagging and communications, but damn it, when I had it, I was proud of it. And I yes. went to the IMSA races and I went to the IndyCar races and I walked through the door without ever having to tell anybody or prove anything to anybody because I had that little card in my back pocket. Right. Um, and I know the situation because I've talked to flaggers. Yeah. Um, there, and we don't have as many as we need. And I, I don't want the ones we've got to not want to come anymore because right. they're kind of being told we don't want you anymore. How do we combat that? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, I would if, if you can give me a name for anybody who says <laughs> we don't want you anymore, let me know and I'll follow up with them in, directly in an appropriate well, it's, professional it's, way. No, no one's saying it, Mike, but right. it's it's how people feel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I, I get that. And, and believe me, I've worked. Uh, I was out on a corner uh, with a corner captain at Thunder Hill. And I was trying to, he was a licensed SCCA worker, longtime worker. And I said, well, you know, I tried to listen and ask questions and learn when I'm out there because that's why I'm out there. And I said, well, who's that person? Well, that's XYZ. Who's that person? Oh, that's XYZ. That's, uh, that's Cobb. He's an, he's an independent contractor. Oh, I said, oh, well, I saw him at the worker meeting this morning. Oh, yeah. No, they still go to the worker meeting, but, um, you know. Uh, they get paid and or they get this or they get that. And and it it does create um, some contention, right, between the, the, the rank. Let me tell you how we're trying to approach it with, uh, with John and IMSA. Um, our goal is to create um, a ladder series, if you will, that basically says, you know what, if you want to work the SECA National Championship runoffs, Mike, you need to be uh, at minimum, you, you've got to be uh, obviously an SCCA member, but you've got to be a licensed FNC. You've got to be a license holder in FNC, right? We, we, you know, otherwise, it's great. You come out here and you show up, you try to help and serve. But unless you go through the training and unless you get your license at a national championship level, um, I don't know a nice way to say it, but you're not really qualified to play at that level. So you need to go through the training, get your license, get your card to be able to play there, right? Take that up a next level to say, hey, Mike, yeah, you got your uh, regional FNC. That's awesome. You want to play in the pros? You want to go You want to go stand on NASCAR 5 or 6 at the Rolex? You want to go work St. Pete with IndyCar? Do you want to go, um, do you want to go support any of those pro events? If you do, you need to make sure, you need to go through training to make sure uh, that you have at least a divisional or a national license, right? Right. And work and it with used partners to be that who, way. yes, sir. I understand that. And right. over time, um, it's. I'm not casting stones. I'm just trying to state reality. Over time, it's been diluted, and it's been diluted um, with some across some of our ACUS partners that we support. Not that they had any intention to do that. Right. They were just looking for support and workers. And and candidly, um, you know, there's there's a a few bucket list tracks that are um, fabulous facilities with fabulous ownership um, and also somewhat challenging to work with through this lens right? Um, right. because they, they, they have a little bit different business model. So Brian, that is a, that is a tough question. Um, I don't have a hard uh, answer at this point in time, but I can tell you this, um, we're gonna hit singles and doubles. We're gonna put people on base until we can get some points back on the board. Right. We're gonna work right. with willing partners like John and Emson, a proof kind of um, our worker uh, training development ladder series kind of piece. And I, bl I believe when we do that, uh, folks will see the efficacy of that. 
And uh, you know what? I'm 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 open to having conversations with any tracks that might be interested in us providing training right. to their workers. Right. But I'm telling you, I will tell you this up front: um, if we're providing training, those, those those folks we train will be SCCA members, and they will need to be license holders. Right. You know, a, a part of the reason it, it's not as um, license dependent these days to go do some of these bucket list tracks is that we just don't have enough people. You know, right. and we're 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 required to adequately staff with a human being breathing living uh, enough people to take right. people who have less experience, and and because of that, the incentivization we've got we've got a lot of people who've got plenty of time in who still only have their regional license because they've had no real incentive to go through the hoops, which aren't huge hoops, but you got to keep a logbook right. and all that kind of stuff um, right. to get to a national license. Um, right. so, so when, back in the day, when I first went to the runoffs, I had to ask permission to go my first time because I only had a regional license and I had to get my flag chief in Atlanta region to write a little letter. And, um, and, uh, I had to get, um, um, I had to get, uh, Marge Banks to sign off on it. And right. Marge, Marge is a tough cookie. You yes, know? she is. <laughs> <laughs> she don't let no. She just don't let nobody come on board. So, so That's there right. was no question that I needed something. You know, and then the next year I came back with you know the divisional license, and it wasn't because I didn't have the experience. I just had never had a reason to get a divisional, and and I right. had to get the sign off. Um, we right. don't really have that option as much anymore because there's just not enough people, and that's a right. whole that's a whole other podcast. And actually, we've done a couple podcasts about that. So, um, I I want to move on. So. We, we got more sure. to cover. Um, I, I never let you get to our second next bucket list item. So let's, cool. let's knock that off. Yeah. The second, the second one we're working on uh, pretty aggressively uh, concurrently is, is kind of developing and testing alternative ways of combining, combining programs uh, to deliver more attractive um, opportunities for folks to participate. So let me give you a, a snapshot of one that has, uh, I think it's, will be three years old this year. Um, that and has grown consistently every year. And you, you might be familiar with it, but the the Steel City's End of Summer sh Showcase Festival. It's a mouth, mouth mouthful for me to say, <laughs> but it's basically uh, a veritable smorgasbord of SCCA programs and offers something for enthusiasts of all stripes to participate in. So, uh, to the best of my recollection, uh, across a three day weekend, you've got club racing, you've got a driver school, you've got track events, you've got time trials, you've got solo, and you've got road rally. Uh, all taking place at PIR, uh, led by the Steel Cities region with support from SCCA staff. I don't have an experience score for this program, but I can tell you this. Um, first year, I think they had slightly less than 300 cars. Last year, they had over 400 cars participate. Um, and sometimes you can do a quick survey of region leadership to find out if things are thumbs up or, or less than stellar. Right. Um, right. And I think that uh, they're calling those mashup events, not crash up. Let's make sure we get our <laughs> vernacular right. Uh, mashup because we're mashing a lot of different programs together. Um, but I think uh, the Steel City's leadership team said, yeah, this is a no brainer. Uh, we've got to do that again. So the, the catalyst for things like that and why I think that that approach is so important is um, as you know, in 2023, there are a plethora of uh, HBDE programs, mm -hmm. track event programs, road racing, enduro program, you name it, right? And so what, what we're finding is 
Um, the more that we can kind of create a buffet for folks, the more attraction and adoption we can get for those events. Let's face it, people uh, are attracted to venues and opportunities where there's more people, right? Because it builds a community. And um, so we're, we're, we're kind of stealing from some of the things we've learned from club racing, some of the things we've learned from solo, some of the things we've learned from track night and experiential and kind of gluing them all together to kind of create these mashup events. Um, and I'm not going to uh, BS you and tell you that they're easy to execute operationally because they're not. Oh, I, I know. Uh, but I will tell you this. If you, if you again, want to do things to counter being the secret car club of America, open the aperture of who you're inviting to your events on a weekend. And, and that is a self-fulfilling prophecy when you deliver a great experience, right? Yeah. And, so yeah. more and more of those going forward. I agree. I, I, I do the Inside Champ Car podcast also um and uh, a couple of podcasts back we had um the uh one of the guys from wrl on the podcast so uh-huh. this is the champ car S- series sponsored podcast invites on their competitor wrl and it the co-host is an seca guy right and we're all sitting there shooting the sh- shooting the shit about racing and we have so much more in common than we have apart and and um, that would have been unheard of 15 years ago in the SCCA. You know, right. I remember when NASA came on, they, they were kind of our first competitor. And man, we found every every way to 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 rain on their parade. And and they're still going and doing. And now we have a bunch of other competitors and we and, and the club is has got to deal with the idea that we're not the only game in town anymore. And, and I think that's a great segue to 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 my uh, Part B of my 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 uh, response I just gave you because so time trials is also part of a national um, uh, time trials program that includes super uh, lap battle and global time attack right? right so back to your point of um, the bottom line is this there are there are folks who just run with SCCA there right. are folks who just run with NASA but you know what the truth is there's a hell of a lot more folks who say you know what. I'm going to do this event. 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 And iron sharpens iron. I mean, it makes us better. Um, When I first got here, I asked some folks on our team when the last time they ran a NASA event was. And they said, well, never. We're not allowed to run NASA events. (laughs) I said, "Um, why? Yeah. Well, why would we give money to a competing organization? I said, how can we compete against another organization if we, we're not boots on the ground in their experience? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just yeah. the way the world to me, that's the way the world works. But I think you'll see a lot more of that um, in some of the track, the time trials, the enduro, um, you know, the track event space. Um, you'll see a lot more of that going forward. I mean, on, on track night. This year, excuse me, for Time Trials National Tour this year, um, we all of those um, Time Trials National Tour events, including Time Trials Nationals at NCM in October, will have other programs integrated or and or partners, other partners integrated in them to help create more attraction, participation, and overall better experience for the program. So quick example, um, we've already integrated track night into time trial events at VIR, Thunder Hill. And NCM, and I think we're going to be doing the same at uh, Gingerman and PIR coming up. And then when you go to the Time Trials National event um, at NCM in October, we've moved it from May to October. 
Um, we'll be doing that in parallel with GRM's um, ultimate track car challenge. Um, will not only that'll not only make it one of the largest time trial events uh, in the country. Uh, my hope is that we'll probably have some of the fastest time trial cars in the country uh, that weekend at that event as well. So, yeah, I mean nothing static, Brian. To your point, so, I mean the uh, world changes and we have to respond. And, and and the the glorious part of that is when you get more people at the racetrack pulling out <laughs> this thing. I don't know if yeah. you can see. The more people who you got at the racetrack pulling out this thing and spending money is more money in our coffers. It's not all right. about money, but it, it's expensive right. to do what we do, you know, yes. and it's expensive Absolutely. to rent these racetracks, you know, Absolutely. and we go to, we go to some of the best racetracks in the world. We go to Daytona, we go to Coda, we go to Sebring, we go to Road America, we go to Watkins Glen. And, and I know what it cost back in the day when I was a flag chief at New York region to rent Lime Rock for a weekend. Right. I believe it was $25,000 a day. Okay. I don't know what the numbers are now, but I, I'm guessing it's not any less expensive to go racing today than it was in 2000. I think you're on to something. I don't think it's any less expensive. So, so the more people you've got at the racetrack doing something and spending money for an entry fee, yep. and then you get the added ultra benefit of, of maybe I'm at the racetrack for a solo, but I see a time trial event going on. And while that's kind of cool and I'd still not wheel to wheel and I can still take my car to do it. So maybe I'll do a time trial now. Maybe you can do them all in the same weekend. (laughs) Crazy, crazy thought, you know, um, it's, but, but, you know, 10 years ago, no one would have ever thought about doing that. I think you're right. It does create some operational. (laughs) We have, we have learned this uh, kind of the hard way, but this is how you learn, right? Um, Out of the steel city showcase piece, we had some people who were doing the, the, the track event, and then they saw that we were going to be doing a solo the next day, and then they're going, well, can I do that? Yeah. And you want to say, heck yeah, you can. And then you go, hold it, I didn't build an easy mechanism for you to register on site for that event, but you saw that event, and you want now you want to participate yep. in, right? So um, every year we get a little bit better in fine-tuning some of the operational mechanics around that, because that's, that's what we want you to do. We want you to come out with your car, and we want you to enjoy it, and we want you to sample from multiple points on the buffet to find that taste that uh, is maybe your preferred taste. All right. So we are in 2023. And a lot of the tools that we use to do our jobs were created in 1960. Um, The club, and and I would say that this is probably not just our club, but but a lot of times um, we are late adopters to finding ways to properly use innovation to our benefit um and there's two things that i can think of in this realm and um one of them is in the operational side of what we do and then the other part is and i'm gonna get i'm 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 queuing up the hate mail mike it's gonna come at me now okay um we've got two issues from a participation standpoint um we usually drive race cars that are fueled by a liquid substance which much of the world is getting away from, or at least some people would like us to get away from it. And then we also drive cars with this stick thing between the seats. Um, have you tried to go buy a car with a stick shift recently, Mike? Uh, I have I have two cars in my garage with stick shifts, but they're not recent acquisitions, exactly. sir. Exactly. 
And, and so my point is that we're running out of cars that have manual transmissions to be able to turn into race cars, because that's a lot of what we do. And at some point in time, whether we like it or not, um, fossil fuel fueled cars are going to be few and far between. Um, what's the club thinking about in that regard? And then also on the operational side, how can we start getting up to speed as quick as possible with some other innovations possibly that I don't know about that you guys might be looking at? Yeah, no, great question. Um, I think, you know, first off, let's kind of talk on the EV side. So we've had multiple national champions who drive EVs in the solo world. We've had had those folks for several years. I don't know if you've got visibility into that, but um, in fact, we have a, uh, a dedicated EV class now in solo. Uh, it's kind of the, if you're familiar with the uh, KMS uh, or the KMT, the kind of right. classic American muscle kind of classes in solo, uh, where uh, I like that class because it's kind of like Can-Am, the old days of Can-Am, where the rules were on one or two pieces of paper, right? Sure. That's how we got wings and vacuum cars and all that stuff. Um, so the rules are pretty open. Uh, we also created a, a a more open, less restrictive class for EVs as well. So. It is far easier to do that in the solo world than it is in the club racing world. Sure. Um, you know, the one of our biggest challenges um, on the once we go to a track with electric vehicles, um, number one is internal, meaning how are we classing those? And we've got a dedicated body now inside the SCCA called the EVAC, uh, which is a, a freestanding committee. It's not inside the club racing board, but it works with the club racing board to develop uh, uh, safety frameworks, potential classing frameworks for that, et cetera. Um, so we've, that group has been up and running for 12, 18 months now, uh, working on potential classing for uh, track-based opportunities going forward. That's internally focused. Externally focused, while we're doing that, um, you know, we're, we're not the only ones challenged with putting electrical vehicles on track. I'm sure you know that Summit Point said no EVs right. Uh, right. recently, and there are um, um, there are actually quite a few other um, top tier tracks that have said not no in perpetuity, but no for now until the technology, the safety mechanisms, everything, the training, everything else catches up to to that technology. So. I think the best answer is for us, we need to continue to evolve and prepare for alternative fueled vehicles, whether they're electric, whether well, they're nitrogen, whether they're LP, et cetera, because, um, because they're out there. So right. um, I, I think that's something we're working on, but, but you're right. It is a legacy business model that's, that's tough to overcome. It's, it's interesting. I, I get some at point to a certain extent, but some of our other top tier tracks, they've got, Electric electrified vehicles racing there all the time. I mean, Formula One, um, um, IMSA is moving to a hybrid vehicle in their prototype in their in their top class, um, and uh, and and IndyCar is going to get there very very soon. You know, right. so they're having to adapt for them, and obviously we can learn from how they do it as well. Right. Um, right. Um, but you know, this idea is not new and I'll be honest with you. A lot of our safety people, um, who work with the fire trucks at our races, whether they're paid or whether they're volunteers, yeah. they're, they're dealing with that every day on the highway in their volunteer fire departments and their paid fire right. departments. Most of our right. EV staff aren't people who are just show up and want to do EV. They've got a background in EV, 
you know, right. and and so, you know, the ideas of how to do it are there. We just have to find a way to put it down on paper and come up with our best practices, um, right. because I think we could attract a whole lot of folks if we had, you know, tour, t, 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 is it a T1 and T2, TEV or STEV right. Um, right. And, and find a way to make those a place for those for those cars. Um, and and maybe run them as a as a uh, um a, not a spec class but an experimental class for yeah. a season and, uh, or two to see where they OEM fit. Listening, if you're an OEM listening to this prod, podcast, it's mcob at scca.com. Please feel free to hit me up. I'd love to have a have a conversation with you. We've we've uh, we've tried to have conversations with uh, OEMs about um, that very thing, um, and. Um, They've got so much to do to pivot their legacy business models that in many places, uh, motorsports is a badge or a halo effort, not necessarily um, how they have used ICEs historically right. as a, what is it, race on Sunday, sell on Monday sure. kind of methodology. Sure. Yeah, definitely. All right. How about innovations on our operational side? We, we've we've come a long way. We now have electronic waivers. We have our motorsports reg system. Uh, we have transponder timing and scoring. Uh, we now have video required in all of our cars that are majors and super tours. What's the next technology thing that we're going to have to eat, adapt to, which some people will think is awesome and a bunch of other people will complain about? Well, I'm I'm surprised you didn't mention one that you're closest to, and that is the use of driver's eye to live stream the Super Tour vis-a-vis, uh, -vis, what is it, a dozen or so uh, iPhones, um, yep. you know, so that, so that you and uh, who's your partner in crime, Greg. Mr. Ginsburg, yep, yep. can throw down some, uh, some great color commentary. I will tell you, I think that was a huge uh, win for us this year. Um, and there's some folks that... Uh, uh, you know, are looking for the, um, you know, the pan and a lot of the integration of in-car with it and stuff like that. And um, obviously an iPhone doesn't pan, so it's not going to do that. But I will tell you this, in terms of getting uh, good workman coverage uh, for the price, um, for the value for the money, I think it's absolutely lights out. Uh, and where we've got the ability to combine that with in-car, it makes for some really exciting yep. streaming. So I'm um, I'm really excited, uh, you know, kind of where that is and, and where that's heading. Um, well, and and I can tell you that uh, the team putting that together is already thinking about if if we're asked to come back next year. <laughs> and I'm not I'm asking not asking for a commitment, but I'm hoping we get asked <laughs> to come back. Um, the team putting it together is already thinking about how we make it better next year. Um, and I can tell you, you you just put it out there. Um, about wanting the OEMs to come and, and get involved in the potential EV program. Um, if people want things like manned panning cameras, you know, get a hold of Dan Dennehy and, and, and sign up and <laughs> give us a sponsorship because you know what the difference right. between what we have now and what manned panning cameras is, Mike? Money. <laughs> Amen. It's, really, it's Benjamin's. Yeah, it really is. It just costs money to put people behind right. those cameras. Um, right. and, um, um, you know, it, it, it's possible to do it. We can make it happen. Um, but it, it requires, you know, us to get some more sponsors and, and, but I will tell you, um, now that you've opened the door for, for, for me to toot our horn a little bit, um, I haven't run the numbers yet, 
uh, the full numbers, but at Hallett, we crossed over 100,000 streams yep. for the Super Tour this year. Yeah, I've, I've watched. I've watched it many times when I can't get to an event, and I think it's. I think it's. I think it's fabulous. Thank and like you. I said, um, the, uh, the I, I love the commentary. I love the. It gets me trackside even when I can't be trackside. Right. And uh, you know, it's, it's some some weekends we can't be on the on the corner or, or uh, in a car, and and that's how we get our fix. So I I'm uh, I'm excited about this this generation of the product, and excited even more for. Uh, what we can do with that going forward. So, um, uh, yeah, send those uh, cards, letters, and love notes to Dan Dennehy Rodriguez, and uh, we'll, we'll get connected. Absolutely. All right, so we're running out of time, and I don't want to keep you past your bedtime. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, or me past my bedtime. I haven't eaten dinner yet. There you go. Um, um, let's, uh, for the last few minutes here, I'm going to open the floor and uh, let you, well, before we do that, let me just, I've got one per, well, a couple, but, um, um, Brian Straczynski in the track, uh, um, in the chat says that he still has his uh, social distancing sign from the 2020 uh, uh, um, June sprints. It's sitting over the car he was working on in his garage while he was watching us. And, oh, that's great. Uh, and Greg Ginsburg's giving you a hard time. Who's that partner of yours? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. That's good stuff. So. No, for the last few minutes here, is there anything else that you want to talk about? What what are we what should we be sharing with the members here as we wrap up as we get ready to head into our championship season? You know, the yeah. part, the we've got our solo nationals, our 50th solo nationals coming up uh here in September. Uh we've got the runoffs going back to VIR. Uh we've got all of our other national championships coming up in the fall. Um, what, uh, what is the message you want to share with us here as we wrap up? Sure. Well, thank you for that. I mean, I guess what I'd like folks to think right now is, uh, number one, we're not done with the job one, which is executing the balance of 23. And to your point, all the great championships, all the great events we've got coming up. That said, I do want folks to maybe pause and consider what we've done together over the past five years. And just a, a couple of points. One, SCCA Inc. has met or exceeded our operating budget targets every year since 2017, and some pretty challenging headwinds. Two, SCCA membership's grown, what did I say, 33-plus percent right. across right. this same time frame. Three, the experience tracking that we put in place, um, we're currently running north of 80% with the majority of our events, and many are running at 90% or higher. And like I said, if you can get to a point in any product, good, or service, where eight to t eight or nine out of ten folks are saying they'd recommend your product or service, you're going the right direction. The job's not done, but you're going the right direction. Speaking of going the right direction, um, one of the biggest challenges I was handed when I got here was SCCA Pro. Over the past five years, we've trans transformed the SCCA Pro business model, and in 2022, we made money with SCCA Pro, and we're on track to make money with SCCA Pro this year as well. SCCA Enterprises is continuing to put pedal to the metal. Um, I was just looking at registration for um, Watkins Glen and Road America, our last two Hoosier Super Tours coming up this month. Um, and, um, you know, Spec Miata and, and uh, SRF3, um, we love all our classes. But when you look at the participation levels of those two classes at both Watkins Glen and Road America, 
um, you know, that pays a lot of bills for those events. Sure. And so I know there's some folks inside the SCCA family that feel um, we shouldn't necessarily be in the enterprise's business. But I will tell you this, that business is profitable. That business attracts a hell of a lot of participation inside regional road racing and right. national road racing. And when we go to Road America uh, later this month, we actually have more SRF3s registered than we have Spec Miata, if you can believe that. 75 wow. SRF3s. I, I guess we're going to have to run a, a qualifying race to get to, uh, to the actual race. But um, so kind of bundling that all up, you said it earlier, it's not about financial performance. But if we don't run the club like a business, I know it's a club. But if we don't run it like a business, we won't have a club. Right. So to that point, SCCA Inc., SCCA Enterprises, SCCA Pro are uh, producing positive results on a consolidated basis uh, across the past five years. We just got done with our 20 to, uh, 2022 annual audit by MISE um, and got another clean bill of health, clean annual audit. Um, and what are the other things? Successfully navigated global pandemic, supply chain crisis, double-digit inflation. And, you know, I think we're doing a pretty good job around the ACUS table with our partners, NASCAR, IMSA, IndyCar, USAC, and NHRA. I think they respect us. We appreciate the opportunity to be at that, that table with them. Um, we're the sanctioning body for Formula E in Portland coming up. And we'll be, uh, Eric Prill will be boots on the ground for COTA uh, F1 in October. Nice. So I, there's, I, there's, a plenty, there's plenty of um, <laughs> bad news in the world. And and we have plenty of things to work on here, Brian, as a club. Um, but I'm telling you what, um, I, I, sometimes um, sometimes I hear folks disparage the the, the Topeka team um, and what we're doing and or what we're not doing. But I'll tell you this, um, I'm biased because they're my kids. Mm. But you won't find a harder working group of of folks trying to serve fifty to seventy thousand members with two thousand uh, events across the country. And I'm proud to be part of that team and uh, proud to be president and CEO of this club. Well, I think that's a good place to land here. Um, I want to let people know we've got the uh, Watkins Glen Super Tour this weekend. Greg Ginsburg and Larry Lefty McLeod will be on the uh, on the race call this weekend uh, because my teenager is graduating from high school and I will be here doing that duty this weekend happily. Um, also, uh, uh, it's the 60th anniversary of, of Formula V. And they're doing a big reunion, I believe it's this weekend, at Pit Race. Um, and uh, at some point, I'm going to get some folks on to talk about that. Uh, next week, we're going to continue our, our preview shows for the 50th uh, uh, Solo Nationals. And uh, we got a great guest for that. And then uh, I'm trying to put together a Father's Day show uh, with some father-son or, or father-daughter driving teams. Uh, to talk about uh, what it's like to the, the whole family aspect of racing with the SCCA. And then also coming up, we've got one of our young up-and-coming Formula Car drivers who is fantastic. Uh, she's going to join us here coming up also in June. So a lot coming up here on the podcast. And, uh, Mike, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. Thank I got. You. Let me lock you in right now. Episode 150, right? You got it. Let's book it. All hey, right. last real quick. Yes. Tell uh, Greg to ask uh, – uh, Larry Lefty McLeod about his tech inspection that he and Jackson barely got by oh, at oh. Lincoln this last weekend. I was the tech inspector. <laughs> I had to watch them uh, adjust their clutch. Um, so it was great. Very nice. <laughs>
Very nice. We uh we will have plenty of opportunities to troll him about that. So there you go. Sounds good. All right, that's gonna do it for another episode of Inside the SCCA. Uh, if you like what you saw or what you heard, please subscribe to the Racing Wire Podcast Network or the Racing Network on YouTube so you can get all of our upcoming episodes. Follow us on social media to find out who our next guest is on Twitter. It's at RacingWireNet. There's a new Inside the SCCA every week. I'm Brian Belansky. Have a fantastic weekend. Stay safe and go play with cars. There you go. Hi, I'm Dorsey Schrader, and this is Inside the SCCA. Inside the SCCA is a presentation of the Racing Wire Podcast Network and Rural 15 Productions. This podcast is not affiliated with endorsed or sponsored by the Sports Car Club of America. The views expressed within are those of the host and our guests and not that of the SCCA.